because there's that joke of like, oh, you know, boys will learn everything about Rome instead of going to therapy. Well, I do go to therapy and I know everything about Rome, so I'm unstoppable. My mental health is gonna be insane. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. Hello. And Indigo. Nope. Okay. Oh, hi. Oh, ah, oh. ah there it is. I, <laughs> I, I'm never quite sure how long I should wait before I'm yeah. like, oh, is Indigo going to say anything? Okay, no, I'll pull back. And it's funny because sometimes when you edit it, I'm pretty sure you mute all your audio for the first half so, like, we don't get, I like, do. you, like, giggling. But sometimes that means, like, we'll react as though you've spoken, but nobody in the audience actually can hear it, so... I think it's very funny that there are probably some listeners out there who, like, for entirely justifiable reasons, don't know a lot about, like, OSP extended cast, the uh, <laughs> yeah, the OSP yeah. crayon bucket. And then in the Q&A section, it's like, who the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am the uh, voice that lives inside of your computer and poots out little podcasts sometimes. You know, we just, you, you insert your little listening device and then poof, yep. podcast. Uh, AI, the, buddy. The podcast fairy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The ghost um, in the but, machine. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is uh, you both um, knew that I, I started watching uh, She-Ra with Cyan ah, uh, yes. last week. I what did. you did not know is that earlier this morning, uh, Cyan and I watched through most of season one. Uh, I do not normally binge television, but uh, we had a lot of chores to do, so we put it on ah. in the background uh, <laughs> while I was folding laundry. Uh, it's good. Um, Glimmer becomes a lot more fucking obnoxious after, or a lot less uh, obnoxious yeah. <laughs> after um, after episode two. Yeah. Oh my god, I remember texting you guys like, I know that I like this show because I've watched it later and we did the detail diatribe, but Glimmer yep. sucks. <laughs> I got him with Princess Scorpia. You know, I, I when I when I get people hooked on shows, I never start them on the pilot because that never, ever works. I always find the one episode where I'm like, they'll like this one. And then I'm like, hey, let's just watch this no context. You know, I think you'll get a kick out of it. And then later they're like, hey, you got any more of that good stuff? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's um, it's good. It's it it's, is, it's yeah. fun. Uh, in in the very beginning, it. Princess uh, uh, Adora uh, Shira thinks at about two miles an hour, but again, she becomes a lot more bearable <laughs> after the pilot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Bo is great. Uh, Bo yes, does nothing yeah. wrong. Uh, yeah. Bo <laughs> is our unproblematic fave, our yeah. sweet boy. <laughs> yeah, our silly rabbit. Uh, anyway. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really actually quite surprised because uh, those of you in the audience who may have been paying attention to previous lightning rounds know that Blue doesn't really do media that much. Um, I, no, I, I usually play games. I'm playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. That's been fun. But anyway, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> deal anyway. with that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're here because we run a YouTube channel where we make YouTube videos about topics and mythology, literature, and history. Yeah. Red, you had a myth. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Wow. What an organic segue. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I had a myth about... An organic subject, the Wrath of Demeter, which was very fun. Um, it was uh, it was interesting. I, I, I won't pretend that like this wasn't a case where I was like, I really got to get out this one pin. What's a good myth to go with it? <laughs> um, like that happens sometimes, and it's always good. You know, it helps to give myself research parameters to narrow in on areas I wouldn't otherwise necessarily focus on. So you know, Demeter is almost always entirely focused on solely for her role in the Hades and Persephone myth because Hades is a bit more of a uh, I'd say household name these days. He's uh, he's gotten rather more popular and wild, widely spoken of than he ever was in ancient Greece because he was a he was a scary boy and people didn't like talking about him. They just like bury curse tablets to him and be like, "Hey, can you fuck up my neighbor? Thanks, bud." <laughs> um, 
So, you know, Demeter mostly gets known for the uh, the Homeric Hymn to Demeter, which is where we have basically the only retelling of the actual abduction of Persephone, and that kind of frames her in a very specific light. Uh, but there's other myths about her. Uh, not too many, but there are ones. And this one, I think, was the most interesting because when I started reading it, I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty chill. This is, yeah, okay, that makes sense. She's going to mess this guy up. And then it just, like... <laughs> It just got more horrifying the farther I went. It was incredible. My my actual script title for this was Demeter Fucks a Guy Up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Demeter's Fucking Terrifying. Oh, yeah. You know what? It was. You know, yeah, yeah I, I think I got confused because I have a different file that's called Hades Fucks a Guy Up. And that uh, was when yeah. it was those idiots who tried to kidnap Persephone. Uh, but yeah, this one was Demeter's Fucking Terrifying. Yeah. Because, um, I mean... She is! <laughs> That's yeah. horrifying! No, but it is. was so justified. It was great. Uh, and it's a rare case where Ovid actually kind of seems to be mostly on her side. Like, Ovid has a, a pretty anti-authoritarian bent in a lot of his myths where it's like, you know, especially Arachne, he really didn't like Athena that much. Which, you know, might have been because Athena was a little more associated with, say, the government infrastructure. Uh, so it could have just been his own anti-authoritarianism just projecting onto this specific god. But in a lot of the myths, he kind of frames the gods as like irrational or or just cruel or flippant with the lives of mortals. But in this case, it was like Erisichthon could not have deserved that more <laughs> if he tried. I can't think of anything he could have done that would have been worse than what he did. I mean, uh, totally. But even though Erisichthon is, you know, the the less powerful party uh, in this story, he is still a king and yep. demonstrates very kingly hubristic play a nexic, give me more things kind of behavior. Yeah. Uh, so it, it still checks out. It still very much fits into the into the Ovidian uh, canon <laughs> of, of people very powerful doing dumbass shit yeah. and paying the price immediately. That's true. Yeah, uh, I suppose Erisichthon is the authority figure in this that looks like a dipshit and gets yeah. his own. Uh, which is cool because, you know, Ovid, it varies a little bit. Uh, as, a, as a little sneak preview, I was looking into the myth of Acteon recently. Um, and this is also a myth that is most fully recounted in Ovid's Metamorphoses. And that's a case where the guy is not a powerful figure. He's just some random hunter. And honestly, he's not even malicious in the Ovid telling. He's just unlucky. But Ovid is oddly kind of on Artemis's side in that situation. Uh, because something about uh, Artemis's status as like, she's a goddess and a large part of her goddessness is that she is not for male consumption. <laughs> so Acteon shows up and she's like, oh, you can never tell anyone you saw my boobs and like smacks him with a handful of water to silence him. And it silences him by turning him into a deer. And then he runs off and gets his ass eaten by hunting dogs. It's like, that wasn't, that wasn't really her. Like, I mean, obviously it happened because of her, but like, she didn't set that up. Um, she just set the dominoes going. Anyway, it's interesting. Ovid is not quite as uh, strictly 100% anti-god as he might appear in some of the earlier myths. Like, it, it's rare, but he is sometimes like, no, I get it. I think she deserved to murder that yeah. guy. I mean, even um, though we, you know, we hit that that theme pretty heavily on the channel of like, oh, Ovid hates the gods. It's like, there there is still nuance to him and he's drawing on a canon and a lot of his, his mm -hmm. stories are based in at least, you know, a version of the myth that exists out there. He's not just, yep, yep. you know, he's not making up nonsense. No, um, no. But, you know, we, we, we tend to, to focus on those ones because they involve gods and 
those are the fun stories <laughs> where the yep, gods are yep. insane. Yep. It, it fits the picture that we know because his version was so well codified in one source that survived, and now we have that one source, and thus, you know, off it goes. But, yep, yep. but yeah, no, I, uh, the video was fun. There was a lot of, you know, preamble of the 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 type of story that it is of like don't mess with nature it'll mess mm -hmm. with you and mm -hmm. obviously that you know the 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 ghibli parallels are uh pretty yeah. overt but it, it was a good story yeah it was interesting and um i saw a few people point out that just like allegorically speaking you know a king who destroys his own environment and then starves in the midst of excess is like that, that couldn't really be on the nose more on the nose if it tried you know it's yeah. like oh you you destroyed your environment and now you're always hungry fucking crazy how could that possibly have happened but you know it's it's obviously in the story it's like he messed up and uh demeter uh cursed him with eternal excess and greed and he destroyed himself and it's like okay yeah you know if you say it like that yeah <laughs> the allegory yeah. seems obvious I mean, one of the one of the commenters that i saw was was mentioning that it's basically um king who has um uh, what's the opposite of literal? Uh, like metaphorical hunger, um, yeah. you know, for more land and things gets punished by literal hunger. Uh, yeah. and, you know, this is very, very solid uh, theming and parallels. And there's probably some regular, uh, more than just regular hubris. There's probably some some connection to, uh, you know, broader Roman history that I, I can't dredge up right now. But I'm, oh, I'm sure it's there. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Erisichthon is clearly just like, an allegorical figure, an embodiment of this kind of stupidity. Like he—he's definitely not like based on a specific person. His name means earth render. Like he's—he's he's there to mess stuff up and get karmically punished. Uh, which is fine, you know. That it's—it's it's a very solid little. It's almost like an Aesop's fable kind of. It's like, uh, and here we have our protagonist, dipshit McFucks up. <laughs> what could he possibly do? Um, anyway, but no, it was a very interesting myth, and also. Uh, I, it's cool. A lot of people were like, wow, the visuals in this were really nice. And I was like, really? There's only like 10 of them. <laughs> it's a short video. Uh, and I, I put, you know, a lot of work into the illustrations, but it's nowhere near as work heavy as a lot of, uh, the, the other videos are where like the, the visuals switch quicker. So I have to draw like twice as many frames. Um, so yeah, it, it was cool. It was interesting. Uh, I had a good time researching it. And I always like the reminder that like outside the standard run of like myths that, you know, we all read in like the Dolores book of Greek myths in third grade, like outside of that, there's some pretty crazy stuff. So, yeah, um, there are a lot more myths out there than the, you know, the immediate canon of like the big ones that show up in all the, you know, Disney movies and junk like that. So, yep, yep. yeah, there we are all a like lot talking of about the heroes. But it's also yeah, fun exactly. to talk about the idiots. Um, yeah. It's like... <laughs> and, and sometimes and the, they don't overlap. Yeah, they, sometimes yeah, there yeah. are idiots who are not heroes. They are just idiots. <laughs> yeah, the, the Venn diagram has some hefty overlap. But, like, you know, it, it's not just Jasons and such. You also get your Erisichthons and your uh, your Pirithuses and, you know, all that good stuff. Theseus can't have all the stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Athens, the greatest country in the world, uh, city in the world. They have the monopoly on dumb people. Oh, yeah. man. I don't remember why I was looking this up. That's why they invented up. philosophy to balance out all the stupid from Theseus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, we cannot be remembered for this. We need to up our stats. <laughs> we got to give something back. <laughs> eh, 
Anyway, yeah. yeah, so that was uh, that was on my end, which was uh, quite fun, but uh, you also had a video. Yeah, going back uh, even further, uh, I had uh, a long time coming, a history re-summarized on ancient Egypt, which yeah. uh, every time I do one of these, I, I loosen the parameters, because the first one, I, the first time I did a history re-summarized, I was just like cutting together my three Roman Republic videos, and and um and like making it you know fancy visuals but like it was the same audio it was just stitched and edited and you know kind of cut down a little bit and then the second time i did it for the augustus uh, trio of videos it was like okay i mean I, I i edited the script a bit so i re-recorded it but it's still like it's still the same basic script this mm -hmm. one i just read it completely from scratch because yep. the first That's video was too. not was not worth saving the the problem with the original egypt video was that i i was still new i was still not entirely sure what i was doing and I came at it from the perspective of, oh, let's, like, bust the myths and, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. try to fix the misconceptions. But doing history as, like, a, but actually, did you know, is a really bad way to do history because yeah. you still end up, like, presenting a misconception and then presenting the actual information. And there's no narrative flow or continuity between, like, one misconception and another. There are just, like, multiple points existing in, like, a soup of a 15 or 20-minute video that mm -hmm. has that has no, no cohesion whatsoever. And then you're just propagating the misconception. Even by busting it, you still put it into people's heads, many of whom might not have even heard of it in the first place. So yeah. by, by saying, okay, screw that, I'm just going to do it chronologically, go through from the very start, explain how... Everything develops and, and show a lot of those things and just like present it, you know, play it straight, really. Yeah. Um, it ended up working really well. I, I had some some help from from people in our Discord community, uh, Billy, um, and some of ah, our, yes. our, our our people on Discord who uh, are are in in the historical sphere who studied the stuff more seriously are like, oh yeah, this one was really good. Heck, we are wait so a minute. <laughs> that our community like has such cool people in it, honestly. Yeah. But um, I I do want to take responsibility uh for some of that earlier video stuff because like i definitely also had that sort of like confrontational myth busty attitude for a long time and it, it took a while to shake it because like you know it, it, i think when you when you run into something really dumb and untrue it's easy to be like that's so stupid everyone has to know how dumb it is and then you know you yell about it but that kind of does mean that you platform the stupid thing exactly uh, and, and i you... i you assume uh, a defensive posture, which is you're not even trying to like explain the thing. You're you're yep. defending a point where someone usually isn't even entirely sure what you're defending it against. It's just yeah. it's just bad practice historically. And part of this is that uh, I think around the time it was either when when we did that or the the Africa video, which has similar issues, uh, and was, is similarly in the box of shame yeah, playlist. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> in the shame box. Uh, but uh, I I actually pushed for that video. Like, no, I I hope people weren't too heavy like pushing on you for that because I at the time was in a class that was basically like hey you you college kids you probably don't actually know all that much about Africa <laughs> here's the information and it was framed in a very kind of myth busty way and I I did learn a lot of useful information but it was buried under a lot of like it was an emotionally charged class uh and it, it was rather confrontational from the get-go and i was carrying that with me when i was like oh we should do a video about this and it was like oh heck yeah let's research it and i'm like research no we must crusade so that's all on me if you thought well this is oddly confrontational for blue he seems like such a chill dude most of the time that was my fault no i mean Just but like look even a lot of my other videos from around that point in time have have the same attitude and that's why they're also in the box of shame playlist um but it, yeah i 
it is a process, and, and being able to look at, like, my original Egypt video, which is unlisted uh, in the Box of Shame playlist, and this one is like, oh my god, it's like night and day. Um, <laughs> and, and that's what happens when you learn about things and when you understand going into a subject what you're actually talking about. Yeah. Um, it, it ends up just working a lot better. So I'm, I'm happy with how this one went. Uh, people thought the, the jokes were funny, which I, I was very glad about. The pyramid scheme one at the end was just <laughs> uh, Despite the comments, people are like, oh my god, you made this entire video for that joke. I actually had a really hard time writing the outro, and I didn't yeah. realize until eventually it came to me in a flash of light, like, <gasps> pyramid, pyramid scheme, scheme. of course. <laughs> but yeah, one of the jokes that people were, were getting after me on in the comments was that I called the pyramids D4s in the oh, middle God. of the desert and people said well blue it's a tetrahedron it's yeah, obviously well, actually, a D5 it's got well seven. actually well actually if you look at an aerial picture you'll see that each face of the pyramid is slightly concave it's not one flat isosceles triangles it's two right triangles at an angle so technically there are mm-hmm. eight faces and one bottom, so it's a D9, we're both wrong, it's just a joke, it's not a half-buried D8, shut up. I was going to go with half-buried D8, but yeah, look guys, when Blue Half-buried D8 does not scan, that's the problem. And also, like, Blue sent me the script, and I was like, I I had the reflex, I was like, it's not a D4, but then I was like, you know what, Blue plays D&D, he fucking knows what a D4 is, (laughs) it's for the bit, so we'll be fine. And we were, it was funny. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Also, yeah. Alexander the Macedonian twink. People like that one a lot, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone always loves to dunk on Alexander in, yeah. in, like, the most complimentary way, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we give him a gentle ribbing uh, to bring him back down to Earth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it if was, there's it was one a thing that video. 20-something con- Did he make it to 20-something? That, oh, 23. That... Okay. Oh, God, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that just fresh-faced out-of-college conqueror needs. It's a little bit of humbling and bringing him back to Earth. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole thing with Caesar. He was like, okay, I'm 22 years old. By this point, Alexander had already conquered the entire Persian Empire. I gotta get my act together. <laughs> and I made fudge last night. <laughs> yeah, look at us. <laughs> Guess who has Alexander... more spices in their cuisine, Alex? <laughs> oh! <laughs> and when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept. For the job opportunities for early 20-somethings were slim to none. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Sorry, okay, was that so surreal? Okay, so ruler of the known world is an entry-level position, but you do need six years' experience with Python. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be... It, 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 it isn't paid for a while, <laughs> but you do get the spoils of war, so it's kind of... You know, there, there's, like, company benefits. Uh, we don't have health insurance, though, so, like, don't get sick or anything. That would be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't drink too heavily. <laughs> Uh. Oh no! Anyway, yeah, no, yeah. good stuff. It was it was a fun video. It went over really well. Uh, yeah, and it is very cool. Like one of the other advantages we have now over when we first made a lot of those videos is like, there's like people in our Discord who know their shit and do yeah. this for a living who can kind of look over our stuff and be like, yeah, this is pretty solid. Or like, uh, you, you might want to dodge this thing. And it's just, oh man, we are so lucky. Like I, I always worry, you know, because like oh, this yeah. is. We do this for fun, and we do this to educate, and that's a tough combination. And, like, my my education, like, we covered 
some of the Greek classics and stuff, but all the media analysis is basically self-taught. Like that, I, I never had a class for that. And I always end up feeling kind of like, I don't really know what I'm doing with this. You know, other people could do this better. And like, I got to remind myself like they could. And if they do, that would be great. And I'll signal boost it. But uh, <laughs> until then, I'll keep at it because it's fun and I like it. Yeah. Um, but like with history, you know, it's a lot less laissez-faire. Like if I retell a myth and I kind of goof around a little bit, it's not as much of a crisis as if it's like, hey, this is a real historical thing that happened that a lot of people put a lot of serious weight on. And maybe I didn't get it 100% right. Like yeah, <laughs> in terms of the stakes. That's one of the things I, I learned in my very early videos was I was, I was telling it in a, in a very like haha jokes um yep. it's like people no like the <laughs> i can't just like say wrong things because it's funny or like <laughs> like make an ironic joke and just call people different names all the time so that it's impossible to actually follow who the characters are i can't do that <laughs> yeah it's 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 a tough balance to strike this is a you real know. thing people died <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, our, our whole, you know, aim of taking things that are frequently quite difficult to get through and making them entertaining doesn't mean sacrificing the actual information involved to make it, you know, a funny haha. So it, it, hitting that balance was a, a matter of trial and error. And it really helps that we have people who are fully on the serious side of things to be like, all right, this is funny. And also we can make it so that, like, it's not yeah. wrong. Because <laughs> yeah. that's a huge help. Because that means we can just focus on the being the funny haha part. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One so. of the, the the more like historical things. Then we can move on to the next section of the podcast. Yeah. But one of the historical <laughs> things that I was very proud of was that I talked about the Sea Peoples during the reign of Ramses III without actually calling them that, which mm. is great. This is a this is a, a myth busting thing. Where if I said, that? and then the Sea People showed up, but they're not really the Sea People. They're not that like weird and mysterious. It's just like no uh -huh, uh -huh. people from the Aegean showed up. We're not entirely sure where they are. There was kind of maybe a fight, and then they settled in the in the Levant done yep. i just tell the story straight people are like yeah okay no that makes sense and then no one gets confused i i address the sea yep. peopleness of that story <laughs> without using the name and then we're good that's I think we, that is growth as a historian look at me <laughs> yeah i think we did get like one comment from someone who's like oh do you think those guys ran into the sea people on their way over and i was like hmm <laughs> And of course, we no. got some idiots like, you know, the pyramids didn't actually house dead people, right? It's like, yes, they fucking did. We literally have the texts that say, and we buried the dead guy in the giant D5. <laughs> well, maybe it's like a metaphor, you know, like. Yeah. So uh, no, to anyone in the comments who is like, well, we don't actually know that like the pharaohs were buried. It's like, yes, we do. We have like, we have the receipts of who was buried where. <laughs> We have all of the records. We have the spells on the walls that say, okay, Mr. Pharaoh, who is in this room, when you get to the underworld, here's what you do. Here's where you weigh your heart. Yep, Don't mess yep. up. The, there's a lot of conspiracies about Egypt because it's mysterious. And I kind of addressed that in a conclusion, but like, uh. mm, ah, so anyway, that's why I'm glad I, I was able to play this video straight. I'm really happy with how yep. it turned out. Um, yeah, but it yeah, went really well. Yeah. Jumping slightly back, one thing that we should mention is that uh, we, we sort oh, yeah. of obliquely addressed the fact that we have the, the pins for, for ah, Demeter yeah, yeah, yeah. and Hestia, but we have a, uh, a pin sale currently going on for another day or two at the time this video goes up, yep. uh, or this podcast goes up. Uh, they're fun. <laughs> they're really great designs. Uh, we're, we were actually a little surprised by how well they've been selling because, you know, Demeter and Hestia are not quite as popular characters, but the designs yeah, are so good. Ah, oh, thank you. They're just so yeah. good. Everyone's like, oh, wait, shit. No, these are, these are really nice. So, so yeah. Um, you could say the Hestia design is fire. Hey, honestly, like when I was doing the, th this is kind of what happened when I did the Athena and Poseidon designs too, because I did the, the Athena design. It was pretty simple. I based it off of famous, famous statue of her. And then when I did the Poseidon one, I was like, you know, enamel pins have a lot of like 
constraints in design. Like every, every line needs to be a closed loop so that you can fill it with the right color. But I can probably do some pretty gnarly water effects with this. And then the Poseidon pin looked so much fucking cooler than the Athena <laughs> one that I had to go back in and punch it up. I was like, all right, I'm going to add gold highlights. I'm going to make the Medusa on the shield. I'm going to add little red eyes. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll work. It'll look nice. Okay, cool. They kind of look about the same now. And that kind of happened with this too. Like Demeter, the design I use for her in the videos is fairly simplified, but there's a lot of symbolism that you can assign her. And yeah. most of her uh, statues, she has this sort of veil over the back of her head that is actually a pretty important part of her design. Sometimes it seems like that's the, the way you can tell who she is compared to other gods because most of the statues weren't labeled. So it's like context clues. Yeah, it's um, poses and, and props that identify yeah. who's who. And the torches. Uh, most people think of the torches as a thing that Hecate has, and they are. But Demeter also carries them sometimes. It's like a cathodic goddess thing. Uh, and so that was cool. And I just kind of got to design her with a more complicated tunic. And then with Hestia, like... Again, similar to the Poseidon one, I was like, again, in the constraints of an Able Pin, you can do some pretty rad fire effects if you're willing yeah. to kind of squint. So I just kind of designed yeah. that, and I, it was just, it was, it was so great. fun. Yeah, yeah, and I, and the thing, I, I do feel a little bad, because, like, a few people noticed the pins go up before the video did, and a few of them were disappointed that it wasn't a Hestia deep dive. And, like, guys, I'm so sorry, there's nothing there's really no information. Hestia was like the most important god, basically. She was the goddess of the hearth. She was in every home. A portion of every divine sacrifice went to her because she was the fire. And there's no stories about her. Why would you tell stories about her? She's like the foundations. She's so important that you don't need to tell stories about her. And that means there's nothing for me to go on. The closest we have are like Vestal Mysteries from Rome, which was later and also different and yeah. mysteries. So they it's didn't write down the important goddess. bits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I wish I could do a deep dive, but there's literally nothing there. It would just yeah. be like the Loki video again, but more disappointing. <laughs> But, but yeah, so in, in the meantime, we have these wonderful pins. Uh, they're on yes, sale again yeah. for the next couple of days um, if, you, if you've missed them. Uh, if you miss them at this point, if you listen to this podcast a little late, I mean, we, we, I get, like, we really feel bad <laughs> with how much we promote these things because it's like it's on the streams, it's on the podcast, it's in the video, it's, it's on our YouTube sh merch shelf. So if you watch any of our videos for like the entire two weeks, the pin's going to be there right by the description. So like we feel yep. bad with how much we promote these. And still, you know, like, hey, some people are off YouTube for a couple of weeks. It happens. But yep. if you do miss it, it will be back at the end of the year for our Black Friday sale. But like, you don't really want to miss it. So like, if you're yeah. thinking about it, grab them now, and then and then it'll be uh, shipping out uh, sometime soon. So yeah, yeah, they're not. They're likely not going to take as long as the 2020 re-releases that we just shipped out. I know a lot of you were waiting for quite a while. Hopefully, you've all got those by now. But uh, basically. The, the gist of that is the 2021 pins we, like, had. They could just be mailed out. Yeah, they the were 2020 in pins, Yeah, the 2020 pins hadn't been remade because we, we weren't planning on re-releasing them until Crowdmade got bombarded by emails about, like, please re-release the Artemis and Apollo pins. I totally missed them. And they're like, uh, guys, do you, I mean, like, we can. Do you want us? So, well, like, yeah. so they we had, had to, to remake them the whole, completely yeah. from scratch, which took a long time with shipping. Um, yeah. So you, you should be getting them now if you haven't gotten them already. Um, but these ones, like, they're, they're, they're on their way across the ocean yep. right they're, now. They're so. coming. They're not yeah. blocked up in the Suez Canal like that one time with the Loki pins. We're all yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, very exciting. Wait, Always fun maybe the, the causality pins. on that is reversed. Oh, the no, ship's no, carrying we're, Loki we're not pins. getting into it. We're not getting into it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but that is everything there. So uh, we should transition into the Q&A portion of the video. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. 
This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron and have a chance for your question to be read first on a future episode. This question comes from K. Ivan Rupert. To red slash blue, how does the process of art work on Blue's side? Blue said he makes his own maps, but how much goes into the other art, especially this deep into the site channel in its existence? Mm. How much art does Blue have to ask for in a given video, and how much does Blue get to specify within regards to that art? Oh. Um, I don't um, know, Red, do you want to answer this, or should I? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can say what it's like on my end, basically. Uh, yeah, sure, so. Basically, the uh, the only art assets Blue asks me for are, are chibi heads at this point, because, you know, the way he does it in the videos is like a little chibi head of whatever person he's talking about moving around on the map sometimes, a little label. Um, so basically what he'll do is, like, he'll message me uh, a link with a specific reference image he wants me to use, sometimes more than one, but usually just one, uh, and then basically be like, hey, can you get me this chibi head? And I'll be like, yeah, okay. I'll just pop open mm -hmm. a file, and I'll basically sketch out a little chibi caricature of just the head of that person, I'll send it back, and it'll be super easy and quick. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think, like, the current record is, I think you asked me for eight at once at one point. And yeah, that, that, that was, was by uh, far the That was the last outlier. week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was after months of me, like, having... Because the last time I asked you for a chibi before then was, like... I don't even know. Uh, it's been a <laughs> I don't while. remember the last time before then, but yeah. Because, yeah. like, um, once you have them, you can just reuse them. So, like, exactly. the quality so does I, fluctuate a little bit. Yeah, so I built up, a, I built up a, a whole, like, stock of them. So, for me, I mean, originally it was it was the armchair room, the, you know, the library and the, the little files of, of blue in there. Yep. But, you know, those were drawn very early on in the lifespan of the channel. Um, and then as I got better at making maps, the quality of the... Um, the armchair animations just didn't hold up, so I, I very politely asked Red, like, hey, I'm really sorry, but can you make, like, <laughs> like a, a base file of, like, blue in set poses that I can, like, m work with? So yep. Red, very kindly, and really, I don't think taking that much time at all, uh, <laughs> uh, made just a master file of, you know, uh, blue standing, um, you know, four different uh, eyes, three different eye positions, like eight different mouths, um, like six different arm poses, and then I can just like mix and match those together to get pretty much any emotion range that I need. Yeah. Um, so Red sent the master file, and then I use that to create new ones sometimes. Um, sometimes I'm like, okay, Red, I need you to give this very specific image of like blue doing the chef's kiss, and she's like, okay, I can do that. Uh, yeah. Someone's like, oh, a new animation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but that's yeah. that. I mean, that was done, um, like that whole thing was done for the, the first one I used that was, I think, like the Mexico history summarized in like 2019. Um, but uh, all the maps, I mean, I, I put out the video, uh, you know, <laughs> last month, I do all the maps by myself. That's that's mm -hmm. all me. Um, the little little icons uh, that I do, um, those are all me. Um, I made some new ones for the Egypt video, and those are pretty specific to the Egypt one because they're, you know, cartouche-shaped. It doesn't make sense for yeah. me using those elsewhere. Mm. The heater shields are fun. I like I like the heater shields. I might, I might make some tweaks, but um, th those ones are, are pretty solid. So, I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, getting source images of, like, paintings of things, you know, pictures of cities, uh, maps and stuff and specifics, yeah. and the rest is just kind of tweaking that together. So instead of, you know, Red's um, videos, which feel much more like a storybook and, you know, a, a kind of picture book experience, mine feel more like, more like a top-down, like a little strategy game map, uh, yeah. which, I mean, it's it, it's true to the kind of history that I'm telling. It's a lot of big-picture top-down stuff, um, as opposed to a lot of the, the biography channels that, you know, like, animate, you know, every single thing in this person's life as if it's a painting. Yeah. Uh, and and they, the, they their history videos read a lot more like Red's mythology videos. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. 
I loved the little cartouche emblems. And I, I think when you were like, uh, yeah, this is the one I'm using for Egypt. I was like, oh, Kemet, what Egypt called itself? The Black Land. Oh, you should totally do hieroglyphs for all of them. And you were like, I I can't do that. <laughs> I, I don't know hieroglyphs. I was like, I can look through it for you. And you're like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I, the problem is that, like, on Wikipedia, a lot of the, the pharaohs have their like hieroglyphic names listed, but the resolution is fucking trash. Yeah. I don't so. know why they do that. Like we have crisp <laughs> Unicode of every single hieroglyph. They could yeah. just use that. The problem is they can't arrange them artistically like they actually would have done on the cartouche. They just have to go in line. Yeah. Anyway, it was mm. very fun. But yeah. Uh, and the, um, the big master file, the pose thing, uh, that was not the first time I'd done that. That is how I handle the uh, these frames I use in the armchair room for trope talks. Uh, I have a big master file with, like, the arm arrangements, the eye arrangements, the mouth shape, and then uh, basically I'll just export... I have letter codes for each specific one, and then I export it with, like, the a letter code for... Uh, I think the first one is mouth shape, because that's the first thing I know I'm going to do when I'm, like, listening to a bit. I'm like, oh, I sound angry for this one. I'll use the angry mouth shape. Uh, and then uh, eye direction, eyebrow arrangement, and hand position. And I have a letter code for each of them, and I just have them all exported, and I just click through like i type the one i need and then i drag it in it's incredibly efficient yeah. um so when blue was like yeah i just need like a few standing poses i was like oh i got you bud and like you know that it's probably the most time-consuming individual piece of art i've done for blue side of the channel but i only had to do it once and now it's yeah. completely good like that's the thing you know yeah, you front load and, the work and then you're fine <laughs> and then it's like every time i ask red for chibis it's like oh my god i'm asking her for like four whole chibis and uh, red will set up work and it's like 20 minutes later it's like here you go i'm like because oh. i mean yeah. from my perspective it's like oh my god so much art was you're like this is like literally a 20th of a of an animated frame <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like not even the full figure we're fine mm. bud yeah um, yeah no it's yeah. a it's a it's a very efficient system and yeah. once you have the chibi heads, it's like a lot of figures kind of keep showing up. Like, I think you've got a, an, you know, Alexander the Great chibi head rattling around. It's like, yeah. you can just I drop mean, him the, in wherever you need him. One time I had you draw a, a chibi head for a doge of Venice, like a specific guy. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. oh these guys look the fucking same. I'll use <laughs> them for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I can draw more. And you're like, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, but yeah, man. no, it's, it's a good system. And it's, it's a testament to working smarter, not harder, um, mm. because you, you mm. have a system that works and it is min-maxed for efficiency uh, yep. and it <laughs> works great. Yeah, the trick is like anything you can do once, you know, you can do once, but anything you're going to be doing for a channel like this, you need to be able to do like a hundred times without mm -hmm. losing steam. Not necessarily a hundred yeah. times all in one go. I couldn't draw a hundred chibi heads and maintain my level of crisp and sparkling enthusiasm, but like, you know, it's not that bad. Like eight was yeah. not that much harder than two. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, this next question comes from Hedgehog Red. As a big fan of both Stand Still, Stay Silent and the Magnus Archives, it was very exciting seeing you give them as good examples in your trope talks. But I know that they aren't exactly well known. Have you ever excluded a media as an example in a trope talk video because it was too obscure? If not, why did you use that obscure media as opposed to an example from a more popular property? Oh, that's like a that's a whole essay question right there. Um, I can answer um, in one please word. Please use a five paragraph structure. I didn't want to say it, but like there are tropes that I think Reboot does well that I don't talk about. I only use it as an example when I really think it's the exceptional like mm. yeah so i i obviously have nothing against using obscure media that i wish more people would get into so i could talk to about it um but like <laughs> you know i when i'm when i'm using a story i try and use the best example i can think of uh and the thing is i am not 
like a super well-read person. There's a lot of media I haven't dealt with. There's a lot of media I only really know from hearsay. A lot of really popular media I completely missed the boat on just because it didn't seem interesting to me specifically. As mentioned, neither Blue nor I have ever watched Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, and it is kind of a personal point of pride. But that meant for like a whole 10 years, the one thing that every media reviewer was talking about was something I had no context for because it just didn't seem fun. Mm. And I was right. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so like... I, I sort of have to strike this balance between media that I am personally familiar with enough to put my opinion forward on, something that I actually have like a thought through opinion on, and media that other people know what I'm talking about. So like, you know, there's a reason why Hello Future Me and, and Tim and, and us use Avatar so much. Like, mm -hmm. it is a really good example for a lot of tropes and almost everybody knows about it. So yeah. Yeah. I can cite it. It's a really useful it. touch point. Exactly. I can cite it and people know what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's a balancing act. And I recently ran into an issue where I uh, I was collating footage for a, a trope talk uh, on the subject of space for various reasons. And I wanted to use Halo as an example because I knew that Halo was set in space and had some interesting <laughs> stuff in it. And uh, it didn't work. It did not work. Halo I, is a very complicated <laughs> franchise. I remember the, the message conversation like two weeks yeah. ago. Red was like blue. I don't know anything about... <laughs> Halo, what is the who, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, so you know, Master Chief fights the Covenant. Like, there's the, what's the Covenant? And I'm yeah. like, oh, well, they're these guys who worship the four, the Forerunners? Yeah, what the fuck are those? Well, yeah. Does this have anything to do with that arc windy. I caught a glimpse of in the wiki lock? And you're like, oh, the arc? I don't know if I was from a game I played. And I'm just, oh man. But like, you know, that's a piece of media that is quite well known, but I'm not as familiar with, so I, I can't necessarily use it as the kind of example I would want to because yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about and I do not have the kind of time needed <laughs> to pull a Brian David Gilbert and familiarize myself with the entire Halo canon. Um, there's like, there's, I guess, lesser known media that I think is very interesting and handles tropes well that I'm reluctant to use as an example just because I have to do so much explaining. And yeah. Reboot is one of them. Yeah. But then there's things like, like, I don't really think nowadays most people are expecting like Fraggle Rock to show up in a trope talk. And that's not even <laughs> that obscure, but like, you know, it's, it's not the kind of thing I tend to use as an example. And unless it's doing it really well, like when I... All right, so, you know, if you watch a trope talk, you know that there are times when I just have example footage playing that isn't, like, it's related to what I'm saying, but I'm not talking about exactly what's happening on screen. And then there are mm -hmm. parts where I'm talking about a specific example, and what I'm showing on screen is directly correlated with what I'm saying. Like, I've, I've mentioned Castlevania, and Castlevania's on the screen, but Castlevania might also be on the screen, and I'm talking in more vague terms. Um, when I'm filling out that middle footage, I often draw on examples from all kinds of different sources, including more obscure ones that are just, like, illustrating the exact point I want. But when it comes to an insert where I go in depth on a specific piece of media, I want to use an exemplary situation for that. I, I really want to make sure I'm, I'm making the most of my time with an example that really perfectly illustrates what I want to talk about. So like, again, space video, there's a brief bit where I talk about Alien, which is one of the most Ooh. exemplary space horror films ever made. So of course I bring it up. But like, yeah. you know, uh, with, oh God, what was it? Um, there's the, the trope talk on powerhouses where I have like a whole four minute mm. bit where I just talk about leverage, uh, which yeah. is not as well known as I wish it were because it's quite good. <laughs> um, and that was a case where I was like, look, there are other examples of solid powerhouses, but I want to talk about Elliot Spencer and why he's the best. <laughs> um, because genuinely the writing on him was so much more solid than almost any other example I'd seen. Like he, he never gets warped. That alone is a standalone example. So the fact that mm. 
it was a lesser known media example that I would need to do a lot of heavy lifting to explain because everyone I'd recommended the show to was like, what is that? Um, <laughs> like, I, I knew it was going to be harder, but also it was just like, this is the story that I think best represents this one facet of this trope that I want to talk about. So I don't write off lesser known media if I think it's doing it the best. You know, there are a lot of stories that are standout examples of specific things. Oh, God, I tweeted about this a while back, uh, that I, I appreciated The Last of Us 2 for giving me the best possible example for why the cycle of revenge is a bad thing. Yeah. I don't want to mm -hmm. play the game. That, I actually, don't want to immerse I myself was, in the yeah. story. I was thinking about that earlier because The Last of Us Part 1 is is one of my favorite games. I mm. have only played through it all the way one time. Yeah. I <laughs> am not looking too, forward yeah. to going back to it anytime soon. Uh, and I'm not looking forward mm. to playing the second one because that seems like a little too much right now. Mm. It, but it's like, it's, it's so good but I'm just going to keep it over there. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the decision kind of comes down to like a, a balancing act almost of yeah. like, okay, this media's, um, the, um, the amount of explanation and legwork you need to do to use something as a example versus like how good it is at being an example for whatever the topic is, you know, like yeah, it, exactly. it sounds like you need to find something like the more obscure the thing is, the better it has to be at being whatever the trope talk is about, I guess. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Because then I need to use screen time explaining what I'm talking about, mm -hmm, you know. Yeah. And the thing is, I always kind of have to do that. I don't ever want to assume that my audience has watched the exact same set of cartoons I have, you know. So so I always try and contextualize. But, like, I can assume that most people have at least heard of the big names. Um, mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, I, I always just try and go with whatever piece of media that I can find that does the one thing I need to talk about the best and simplest a lot of the time. Like, sometimes I'll be like, this does it in an interesting way, but sometimes I'll be like, this story does the trope, it, it plays to the tropes, it's a simple meal well made, it does exactly what it sets out to do in the most pure platonic ideal form. So again, Last of Us 2 is just about how the cycle of revenge is bad. Everything else is secondary, it doesn't do anything else, that's, that's it. So if I ever need that as an example, if I ever need a thing about, oh, cycle of vengeance, no good, then I just throw that <laughs> in, and everyone knows what I'm talking about, so... Anyway, yeah, yeah I, I I hope that answered the question. I kind of lost track yeah. of it somewhere I, I in the middle. I think it did. I think <laughs> okay, it did. I think you covered off. Yeah, yeah it's it's p picking uh, you know, examples for any kind of discussion point, but uh, trope talks in particular, I think, is a really fun, interesting subject because everyone's got an opinion on like what's the best example of mm. X Y Z trope. Uh, and so we get a lot of emails like that. Like it. you talked about this trope, but you did not mention my favorite show. I'm like, I that, that's because we don't know it. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. That's <laughs> because I don't have time in my life to watch One Piece. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, y'all got Daniel that, Green um, to do it. That's enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Victory. That, uh, he took the bullet for the rest of us. the OSP team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this this next question comes from Gray Ash Monster Two Blue. Which lesser known civilization do you think would be a good premise to base a fantasy game on? Please explain why. Oh, oh God. Man. Okay. So I guess let's just take lesser known as not England. Um, <laughs> not traditional high fantasy. <laughs> Because, you know. I mean, like, like, look, I mean, you know, The Witcher is, like, considered an exotic fantasy setting. And, like, that's Poland. It's still in fucking Europe. <laughs> Gang, that's not that's not that exotic. Oh, um, no. But, I mean, like, you know, German mythology's got a lot of cool stuff. Um, and, you know, kind of the crossover between, like, Scandinavian and Germanic. And, like, there's cool things there. It doesn't show up a lot because it's not as popular um you know uh middle eastern arabian mythology super cool Ooh. but it's a little wibbly wobbly not a people not a lot of people like know about it and mm. draw on it for much 
Um, gosh. Uh, also, it kind of depends I'm, on like where you are. It's like there's no shortage yeah. of media based on Chinese mythology yeah. in China, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and also, exactly. I, I do want to highlight. Uh, there's a very, very whimsical cartoon on Netflix called Hilda that's based on Icelandic oh, mythology yes. and folklore, and it's so sweet. And like, it's cool because the first time I watched it, I was like, "That's cute." And then I read the saga of Gretir the Strong, and then I watched it again, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It's just like all from <laughs> the ghost wrestling, even really. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, there, there I, is a lot of media that is based I mean, on... There's, yeah, there's tons. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mesoamerican mythology, uh, there's been some great. stuff about mm-hmm. that, and it's got killer aesthetic, lots of very interesting stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah um, I, I put a hat in the ring for uh, Filipino mythology. There's, um, mm. They've got a lot of really interesting monsters and lexicons there that'd be so fun. Yeah, I, I was going to I was gonna follow up with, like, Southeast Asia is a, a mm-hmm. woefully mis... Or, uh, a woefully yeah. unappreciated corner of of the world history. Actually, uh, and there's on... a lot like in in Thailand, a lot of like super mm. cool stuff over there. I don't know enough about it, but I just know that it's cool. <laughs> I have a video recommendation. Uh, we've we've mentioned their channel before, Jiran Jai Zhao. Uh, they yes. just organized like a three part video series, like with just a ton of Southeast Asian people talking about Raya and the Last Dragon. And why mm. it kind of beefed its possibility of making a Southeast Asian-inspired uh, fantasy world. So, oh. like, I there's wow. here's the thing. This question it's a little tricky for me because I don't know how I feel about a fantasy world grabbing stuff wholesale from other cultures. It's a much mm. more loaded concept than it might initially seem because it's like, oh, I'm just I'm telling a fantasy story. It's not real. Yeah, but if you're drawing real inspiration from real world cultures. It drags in a lot of weird implications and like colonialism and stuff like that with it. And this video essay from a lot of people who really know what they're talking about very much elaborates on on stuff that that we don't have the context for. So I I recommend looking into that because it's a very, very good series of uh, mini video essays all cut together. So, yeah, there's there's an entire uh, book's worth of discussion to be had on (laughs) like, how do you draw on mm-hmm. diversity and showcase a more rounded picture of culture and not just dig to like oh my god guys this is so exotic we're bringing in celtic myth it's like that's the <laughs> same set of islands you on original yeah we got um, some redheads to accentuate the blondes yeah <laughs> but uh, i also there's a lot of authors out there from all around the world who are writing fantasy and and yeah. uh, and urban mm-hmm. fantasy inspired by the cultures that they are from or are more familiar with. Uh, I, I think I heard things about, oh, let me look this up just so I know exactly what I'm talking about because otherwise I will uh, feel like a real Red, hero. Red, I think you're talking about Rick Reardon Presents. Uh, no, but that is also a very good thing. Uh, okay. I was going to talk about while you're the figuring Sixth that out. World Series. Oh, okay, no, go ahead. The Sixth World Series by Re- Rebecca Roanhorse. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, and it's it's a series of uh, urban fantasy post-apocalyptic stuff, um, and it is based on various forms of Native American mythology. It's it's about uh, the Navajo Nation and how it's handling the post-apocalypse. So, like stuff like that. I, I started reading it. It's a it's a pretty tough read. It's darker than I tend to go with for, but uh, <laughs> it's quite interesting. And again, Jiran Zhao, uh, they just wrote uh, the book Iron Widow, which is sort of mecha Chinese mythology, futuristic mm-hmm. sci-fi. So there are a ton of books out there. And as the space of fantasy literature is getting less overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male, uh, we are starting to get more attention on these stories that are are set in these non 
just kind of Robin Hood era medieval England style fantasy settings uh, from people who are actually immersed in these cultures and actually know what they're talking about rather than mm-hmm. sort of seeing it from an external perspective, taking parts of the aesthetic and just putting them on top of that Robin yeah. Hood pseudo medieval era. So, Planet of hats. Yeah. So I, I'd, yeah. I'd basically recommend... Uh, like, I'm sure there are a ton of listicles about, like, lesser-known fantasy settings that aren't set in Europe. We're just not the best people to recommend them yet. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, is that trying to find those types of media and those types of cultures is hard, because if you don't know what you're looking for, uh-huh. you might not be able to find it. Um, so mm. that's why I, I was going to say Rick Reardon Presents is really great, because it's Rick Reardon, the guy who wrote Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, you know, Greek urban fantasy he is running a you know publishing branch that's basically spotlighting authors to make those kinds of of like young adult you know world mythology fantasy stories from everywhere else so if you if you want to try and find something new and don't entirely know where to go look up the books that have been published under Rick Reardon Presents and there's stuff from all over the world by people who are from those cultures who know exactly what they're doing um, that, that might have uh, something that you'd like so worth checking out yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. Well, kind of a related question to follow up to this. Um, Normal is boring asks to all, what podcasts, YouTube channels, and creators do you like to listen to in your free time, especially educational ones, that you would recommend for people who like your channel? So while we're on the topic of recommending stuff, uh, what are what are some other recommendations you might have for our listeners? Uh, gosh, there's so many. Uh, well, first yeah. off, everybody <laughs> who was on our um, New Year's Eve uh, yes. stream uh, at the end of last year, we're, we're all so fantastic. Uh, that whole gang is great. Um, also, one of our one of our best buds who's not on the stream because he was busy, uh, Tim, Hello Future Me, uh, is, of course, fantastic, does all kinds of stuff. Um, basically coming at a lot of literature from almost the opposite angle of a trope talk, which is really cool. Um, so his videos are, are, are great, of course, uh, as well, and very much worth your time. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking mm-hmm. through my video history real quick. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. As mentioned, you know, basically anybody we've ever had on the podcast, we really like. Mm-hmm, I've been watching mm-hmm. a lot more of Dominic Noble stuff recently just because yeah. it's yep. so fun. I've been going back through the college humor archives just of mm. like sketch oh, yeah. comedy because, oh, it's just like <laughs> comfort food at this point. Like when, yeah. when I don't know what else to do, I rewatch I Got No Sleep Last Night and I just, <laughs> yeah. all is right with the world. Um, I have I a tendency to watch through uh, Zero Punctuation when I need just kind of to reset my brain because something about his mm-hmm. rapid fire style of comedy like i'll just put on like the every zero punctuation from 2014 with no punctuation and i'm like yes five hours of just like rapid fire snark later my brain's like i've got such good script ideas um so that's <laughs> yeah. that's kind of my background yeah, it's noise. like a fountain of of, of just brilliant yeah. like phrases of solid gold writing yeah um, I, uh, similarly there's... i would actually recommend extra punctuation as well which oh is yeah, what yeah, Yahtzee's yeah been doing mm. recently it's instead of talking about one game it's yahtzee's like video game industry at large talking about topics that span multiple games which is really interesting because this is a guy who has been meticulously painfully cataloging <laughs> all the you know all the big releases for over 10 years now and he yep. has thoughts <laughs> yeah uh, so he is a perfect person to go to for you know immensely well-researched perspectives on the video yeah. game um, world overall. And similarly, I also like Game Maker's Toolkit Mark Brown a lot because he does looks at systems across multiple games, um, individual mm. deep dives into things that uh, particular games do really well, um, and just very, very good, delicious game analysis that I that I really like um, yep. to watch. Every, like, six months, I'll just 
start up, like watch the whole <laughs> channel catalog again. And I actually started that this week, which is why it's on my mind. Yeah. I'm like, all right, it's been time. Let's go watch through every GMTK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I will also recommend. Sorry, I'm just scrolling through the million zero punctuations I watched through recently. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> God. Uh, right. Sideways. Uh, I've, I've mentioned his channel before. He does uh, stuff about like music and film scores and stuff. He's got mm. a couple of videos about uh, like Cats and the Les Mis live action movie or live action. The, the Les Mis movie uh, and why they are not good musically speaking. And it's it's very fun. <laughs> it's 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 another genre of like video essay from someone who is very passionate and very well educated about this specific subject and has recorded themselves talking about it for an hour, which is just. You know, anything where the creator is passionate about it is automatically going to be, like, twice as fun as mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah. Um, also, I, I've, I've got two more. Uh, yes. Two channels that I actually found um, in the past, like, couple months or so. One is a channel called Told in Stone, which is a lot of, like, Roman architecture, archaeology, like, the history of Rome in, like, seven coins. Um, you know, history of Roman art in, in, in five masterpieces. And, uh, like, the, the video that I found was how to get the best seats at the Colosseum, which is like, oh, that's so much fun. <laughs> uh, and then another channel... Um, uh, called Polymathy, which is just a guy who is like so so immensely steeped in Greek and Latin language, talking about oh. um, the language, the culture, the literature, and all kinds of stuff related to that. So those that's been my my Rome kick uh, this past couple months because there's that joke of like, oh, you know, boys will learn everything about Rome instead of going to therapy. Well, I do go to therapy and I know everything about Rome, so I'm unstoppable. My mental health is gonna be insane. Um, so uh, yeah, there, there's also so there's videos and channels that I tend to go to like when I can pay a little more attention when it's not just like background noise uh, mm -hmm. I just sort of I watch a lot of gaming channels even though it has nothing to do with what we do I, I think that's fairly common creators will often yeah. watch content that has nothing to do with what they do so like uh, I think Point we, Crow baby yeah, Point Crow <laughs> uh, let's game it out that's always yeah. fun oh um, I, uh, I also tend to just go back and watch through the slow-mo guys catalog whenever I'm feeling kind of like chill just because ah oh, it's delightful it's so fun I actually rewatched some of their like much older videos recently the ones from like 10 years ago and it's really funny how they had absolutely zero safety protocols back in the day mm -hmm. <laughs> now they'll be like yeah. really careful because they're like we're setting up debt cord and we're going to be filming the speed of light and then back in the day they're like we're putting these bangers in these little glass pots in someone else's garage <laughs> and Dan does not have enough time to get out of the blast zone before they go off so he's just going to turn around yeah. And you can see the glass pinging off of his lab coat. And I'm like, ha ha, awesome. So um, that's cool. Uh, that's always fun. Yeah. Oh, man. So many the, good the, channels out there. The point you made about like, oh, you Doug, tend Doug. To Doug Doug is another game Doug channel that I've been watching recently. I, I love his presentation Yeah, you got me on it. <laughs> I just love his presentation style. And I love how his videos have narratives that make absolutely no goddamn <laughs> sense out of context. He'll be like, Oh, we're going to do a Skyrim mod where I make 10 wheels of cheese spawn and the video is actually about how Santa Claus is saving the world of Skyrim from the worst NPC who stole his clothes and thus Nazim. his power. Nazim. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know why I like it so much, but I unequivocally do. Oh, and Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Uh, most of his video essays about various subjects I just find quite entertaining. So just yeah. a lot of just chill, fun background noise of people who are passionate about what they do doing weird shit. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it, I think there's a, a re like when you do work in the kind of like video essay adjacent space, uh, I feel like people tend not to listen to too much of the same of what they do. 
Um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, Blue, you listen to a lot of architecture videos. Uh, but yeah. it's funny, like, Red saying, like, he listens to a lot of video game content. Uh, I, do, I do the same thing because I'm just like, I, I can't think about... Uh, I, I don't like to listen to a lot of media analysis stuff, uh, media analysis podcasts, because I spend so much time making those. So, like, maybe the one I do is Ranger Danger, which is two Australian guys watching every episode of Power yeah. Rangers. Um, and it's glorious and it's hilarious, but it's so detached from, like, the content that yeah. I make. Um, yeah. Although and, and like, I I, a lot of my, my stuff that I watch of, like, oh, like, it's about Rome, but it's, like, it's about architecture. It's about linguistics. Like, yeah. I watch Max Miller a bunch, but that's, like, history and food. There are very few other channels that are just, like, pure history that mm-hmm. I watch all the time. Because mm-hmm. that's, like, I, I almost, like, can't, like, consume too much <laughs> of that. Otherwise, it throws me off. But, yeah, no, same yeah. thing you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. Uh, so this, I think we've got time for about one more question today. So this last question comes from, oh, God. Uh... Piono no one? P I O N O. Oh, Piono no one, of course. N O W A N. Listeners, you, you, y'all know. <laughs> y'all know this was never going to end well. Uh, to all, which sort of dragon would you like to be, and what sort of horde would you have? Uh, dragon in the most extensive definition for more freedom in the answer. P.S. Love you guys. Greetings from Argentina. Ooh. So oh. if you were a dragon, what kind of dragon would you be, and what would your horde contain? I, this is tricky because for my own writing, I world built a whole bunch of different kinds of dragon, but I don't know if I'm allowed to like... Go for it. Where else? You are absolutely allowed to use your own content on another piece of your content. But okay. How, but is it how, a spoiler? Well, no. How deep is this allowed to go? Because I have in this story a canonically fictional setting with its own fictional kind of dragon that are not actually real. But the they're, they're dragons it. that live on the moon. <laughs> And I would absolutely yes. be a fictional moon, moon dragon. dragon. That's pretty cool. uh, Incredible. And I would hoard astronauts. No, that, that would be weird. <laughs> I, I would probably hoard, like, I don't know. Moon uh, rocks. Yeah, well, that's the easy answer. The problem is, like, yeah. the real moon doesn't have much interesting stuff on it, as far mm. as we know. You hoard the scraps from all the, the, the rovers that they leave and never yeah. take back. <laughs> yeah. Just building just one massive rover. Cleaning yeah. the place up. Oh, so well, Fred, you always talk about how you want to just, you know, you want a ton of dogs. If you're the moon dragon, <gasps> you're just collecting all the rovers. It's basically just having a bunch of dogs, you know, moon moon dogs. But like, Well, that would absolutely <laughs> be the case. But also, in my magical moon dragon mountain that definitely has breathable air, I would also be hoarding dogs. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, all the dogs they send into space, those are mine now. <laughs> <laughs> You have like a veritable zoo on the like dark side of the moon of just all the animals yep. that have gotten rocketed off into space and mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> like uh, the, the seventh... Soviet puppy is living yeah. like a queen. <laughs> yeah, well, like as like great 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 granddaughters by now, but uh... <laughs> yeah. that's hilarious. Uh, all right, yeah, moon dragon in space with my horde of moon dogs. <laughs> Perfection. Perfect. There's, there's absolutely no way that I can top that answer. I was going to say, I, I like the dragons in Skyrim because I like the wyverns. Yes. I think the shape is cooler. Because uh, the dragons with like the, the, the two arms and two legs and wings, are like that seems off balance. But like the dragons oh that are basically just big angry bats uh, because oh, they got the legs cool. and like yes. their arms are the wings. I think like aesthetically, it's a lot more of a harmonious They should design. lean into that whole kind of being bat-like thing. Like more dragons should hang upside down by their back feet with the wings. Oh, that'd be like terrifying. Right? Imagine like, that swooping down on you. Like, you're oh, walking that's through so an cool. unusually large like, cavern and just... Ah! Oh, no, that's so, so cool. Like, imagine the 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 whole, like, Smaug fight, but instead of, like, 
Fucking like Doctor Watson, Bilbo walking into the the gold horn is like, where's the dragon? Looks up and it's just hanging there. Oh my god, that'd be horrifying. Yeah, incredible. Um, uh, dragons can be so easily really scary, but like the line between a dragon that looks scary and a dragon that looks goofy as fuck is like, <laughs> it's all in the wing animation, man. Like Skyrim dragons aren't scary; they're goofy. They're pretty because goofy. The wings just mm-hmm. don't work and especially when they look like thomas the tank engine it really just sucks out all yeah, the fear that kind of that definitely minimizes the impact <laughs> i would say <laughs> mods are oh, a fun man. time uh but what would you what blue what would you hoard what's your what what's would your i dragons hoard hoard oh, god um <laughs> like because i'm thinking like oh what would i hoard versus what would i hoard if i were a dragon yeah rare books um, disc plates <laughs> Yeah, it's like a coordinated Shakespeare collections. They're they're too small for an entire complete Folger Shakespeare library. Like I can't read them. The, the books are so small. Um, I'd probably hoard a bunch of famous statues and make them play chess. Nice, because <laughs> that's a scale at which I could operate. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's fun. What kind of like layer? Venus to Milo about? to D four. <laughs> uh. I know what I would hoard. I don't know what kind of dragon I would be. I feel like, because I already do this, where you just, like, collect cables to things, and you're never going to remember what that cable is to. And so, like, I feel like that hoard is just naturally meant to build up over time. So I want to be, like, an outdated technology hoarding kind of dragon. Just piles of, like, DVDs and CD-ROMs. Bunch of, like, cables to <laughs> to camcorders that are definitely no longer able to shoot at 1080p. Kind of that stuff. Um, if someone could make you're dragon-sized rare. headphones, that's key. Your coming was foretold, brave hero, for I heard yeah. it on my Walkman. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, like, how fun. It's junk, but it's it's my junk. Your lair is like a highly caustic swamp, but it's just it, it didn't used to be. It's just because all the batteries from all the old yeah. shit have been, like, leaking out. And you're like, oh, man, I really you thought how, that would like, still be good. You're not supposed to throw batteries out regularly. Like, they have, like, special disposal methods. Yep. I am the special disposal method. That's <laughs> the secret dump where all of... I don't even create... I haven't even sought out the hoard. I'm just the dump where they put all the old... Recycling the batteries properly is so much of a hassle of the kingdom just has a service where if you yeah. write like two dragon, the post people will just take it and drop two it out front go. of your place. Yeah. A local surf comes by with a big bag that's like leaking out the bottom and is like, got another one for you. <laughs> Yep, yep. And I picked up this iPod play... Nano on the way. Oh, you're too good to me. I can only play games for like five or six systems ago. So I've got a GameCube with like Kirby Air Ride and I've just gotten really good at it for my giant my giant dragon <laughs> on the table. You got one of those. No, but you do have an iPhone 5 that still has Flappy Bird installed. Yep, true. <laughs> you've got, uh, Big you've got one of those really old iPods with like the scroll wheel and it's got yes. that Brick Breaker game on it Ooh. and you're just oh playing it with like a single talent. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had save states it. on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I always get so tilted when I fail. <laughs> I think it'd have to be like a, you know, like like um like a '90s doctor's office carpet. I feel like that's gonna be the color palette of my dragon too, you know, just like the world's grossest purple and yellow with the weirdly navy blue <laughs> main color scheme. Um, I have got a rivalry of like, with like the bowling alley dragon on the way. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The pure visual comedy of a dragon playing Flappy Bird. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. But you got to have like, you have to use one of those little styluses because your claw obviously doesn't work on the touch screen. So you just got like between your two tiny little pincers. Just like, here we go. Incredible. I love all three of these dragons. I feel like we went in wildly different directions. (laughs) Blue, your dragon could actually like show up in something. Like, that's actually a halfway respectable concept. (laughs) 
dragon obsessed with chess steals famous statues to replace the pieces. Yeah. Yeah, really, it's a real choose your own adventure of dragons here. Uh, do you want to go like wacky, wacky, like 90s ski comedy? Do you want to go full <laughs> shit? Uh, <laughs> you know, Tolkien-esque epic, or do you want to go to the fucking moon, bro? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be a sick-ass moon dragon? And again, Indigo's <laughs> dragon's like, why do you have a 3DS? I mean, look, they closed the eShop last week. <laughs> I, I want to play, play Majora's Mask 3D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, we're we, wow. on that note, uh, I should probably make some time to go start organizing, because I definitely have the beginnings of that horde already. I'm just looking over <laughs> at my uh, DVD shelf. So uh, we got we to gotta wrap this up. Red, are you ready to take us home? No, let's do it. Oh, uh, boy. Thank you all. <laughs> So much for listening. Uh, as always, we'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode. Uh, until then, definitely remember to check out our Crowdmade shop for the pins if you haven't already. Uh, uh, this run will only be available for a short time after this podcast goes live. So if, uh, if you're listening to this in the future, I'm so sorry. It's already too late. Yeah, the timing on this one was a little wonky because yeah. our last podcast was two days before the pins went up. So the timing, yeah, so, we just missed it. Yeah, whoops. We, we yeah. couldn't spoil, but... Um, uh, anyway, yeah, of course, we'll be back with more videos uh, every Friday, as per the huge. Um, and until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. I'm going to go watch more she after this. Yes, yes, <laughs> good. And this has been a really sarcastic podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on March 9th with another thrilling episode, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.